Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome to the podcast. Verizon 5G Home, powered by 5G Ultra Wideband, is delivering incredible speeds for just $50 a month with a mobile plan of $30 per month or more and auto pay. It's a new kind of home internet with no annual contracts or messy wires. Setup is so simple, you can do it yourself in minutes. Plus, we can even help cover your cost to switch. Welcome 5G Home. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. Device requires mounting with brackets. Switch off for additional terms apply. Hola, welcome to Daily Café, un podcast diario en donde hablaremos de los últimos acontecimientos en USA and around the world. Also, we'll talk about business news, leadership, motivation y, por supuesto, lo último de la industria del podcast. Tómate un café conmigo and enjoy las noticias y artículos I will bring for you. Hoy en Daily Café, 5 tips for helping your team find motivation in post-COVID. Vamos a hablar de how to set your goal, focus on motivation's origins, brainstorm, shuffle tasks, and take mental health breaks. Hoy es viernes, agosto 20. Tómate un café conmigo. Five tips for helping your team find motivation in post-COVID. Esto es para el 2021 según la revista Forbes. 2020 was a tough year for everyone, your team included. The pandemic caused problems for business the world over, and employees have been trying to keep things afloat for their companies for months now. That kind of pressure has a serious impact on worker well-being, resulting in something of a COVID burnout epidemic. A medida que la pandemia continúa sin un final claro a la vista, los líderes empresariales deben ayudar a sus equipos. Pueden ser difícil mantener motivado un equipo incluso en los mejores momentos, por lo que aquellos que lo intentan ahora se enfrentan a un gran desafío. Si siente que ha perdido su remo en medio de su viaje, aquí hay algunas formas de hacer que su equipo se mueva con la corriente nuevamente. First, set clear goals. Motivation is far easier to generate when your team has something to work towards. Right now, thousands of teams are trying to keep it to keep it all together, just trying to see their company through the other side of COVID. Instead of letting your team slog through to mad with no clear end in sight, give them clear objectives to work towards. Whatever is increased revenue, post efficiency, or higher client retention. Give your workers a clear goal to strive for and watch the motivation rise in turn. Asegúrese de hacer coincidir estos objetivos con recompensas también. La firma de servicios de reubicación Challenger Gray and Christmas informa que casi el 35% de las empresas dijeron que nunca ofrecerían bonificaciones el año pasado, pero ese número se desplomó al 19% este año. Vincular una compensación adicional al cumplimiento de ciertos objetivos dará a su equipo algo por qué trabajar. Focus on motivation's origins. 
Too often, teens forget where motivations come from. This can lead to bad habits being formed over time and employees getting into ruts that they have trouble getting out of. In 2021, the smartest company will be teaching leaders these skills they have never learned before. Conquering your Everest, leadership tools that will help you climb to the top. Want to digital transform your business? Start with social media. Jackson Jagger, fundador de la firma de coaching ejecutivo Novus Global, tuvo su propia experiencia con el agotamiento. Explica que la motivación no proviene de las circunstancias, sino de cómo las personas eligen administrar sus pensamientos. Cuando la motivación se desvanece es porque su equipo se relaciona con su trabajo y con los demás de manera poco ingeniosa. Al reconectarse con su porqué y asumir la responsabilidad de sus propias emociones, más capaces para superar la depresión. Number three, brainstorm. It might sound preposterous at first, what team finds motivation through a meeting, but brainstorming is the getaway to better team morale. Even remote brainstorming sessions can help get the ball rolling or what keeps your team excited and thriving into the future. Brainstorming as a path to motivation but is common practice among enterprise business, so smaller players should get on board too. Marisa Letendre, una consultora de recursos humanos cuya lista de clientes incluye a empresas como Amazon, ha visto un aumento significativo del compromiso de los empleados entre las empresas que permiten a sus empleados intercambiar ideas sobre iniciativas en toda la empresa para mantener la moral. Number four, shuffle task. No employee is completely silent. Almost all successful business have some kind of delegation system in place. Even so, how well do your employees really know what the other members of their team contribute to your company? That deeper that understanding your workers have an overall mission, the higher their motivation will go in turn. Crear una lista de tareas realizadas para su equipo que podrían cambiar de manera efectiva sin obstaculizar la productividad. Asegúrese de que cada uno de sus trabajadores promueve lo que hacen los demás a diarios. Esto puede crear una sensación de cohesión entre su equipo que persistirá incluso a través de las recesiones motivacionales más difíciles. And the last one, take a mental health break. A lack of motivation doesn't just hurt on the job productivity. It's a tangible harm of your workers. Sense of well-being, being unmotivated. In your career, make it difficult to get up in the morning and relax during the evening. Simply put, if you think your team isn't motivated during work hours, just know that they are being just hit as hard off the job. Es por eso que la aplicación de servicios de mensajería de salud mental Shine lanzó su campaña nacional Mental Health Break y otras empresas siguieron su ejemplo. Ya sea que se trate de un poco de tiempo libre por las tardes o un puñado adicional de días de vacaciones, su equipo merece algo de tiempo para su salud mental. Los grandes líderes saben que es su responsabilidad dárselo. Motivation is a crucial part of doing business, but it's in short supply during time like this. As you were to rally the troops through the finish line, make motivation a central part of your strategy. Your work will thank you for it down the line. Gracias por escucharnos. Tomorrow we'll bring more information and remember to subscribe to get your daily café conmigo. This show is produced for Fusión Latina Network. Hasta mañana.
Imagine the perfect cheeseburger. Toasted bun, big juicy burger, melted cheddar, and Stella Rosa Royale. Yeah, Stella Rosa Royale is food's best friend. Best served chilled. It has a bold red berry flavor and more alcohol than other Stella Rosa wines. And pairs well with any food you can imagine. So grab a bottle from your local retailer today. But maybe change your shirt first. You have some imaginary drool on it. Celebrate. Stella Rosa. Celebrate responsibly. Hurry to JCPenney and score three days of big savings for back to school. Shop hundreds of doorbusters all day, Friday to Sunday, while they last, and stock up on active gear, like 50% off select exertion tees, tanks, and capris for women. Plus, get fast savings on Fila athletic shoes for the family, starting at $24.99. Or use your coupon and get an extra 30% off at checkout. Weekdays are back in style. JCPenney. Doorbusters valid 820 to 822. Exclusive from coupon. Coupon valid through 822. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Welcome into The Rundown, a podcast where we at CBN News bring you inside information about the stories we're working on. Today is Friday, August 20th, and I'm Caitlin Burke. Christians in Afghanistan fear complete annihilation at the hands of the Taliban. Some fleeing into the mountains, even with winter just months away. Others destroying anything that identifies them as a follower of Christ. But a senior international correspondent, George Thomas, points out, It's not only Christians who live in fear. The Taliban's charm campaign falling flat on a country that's lived through their rule before. George, what are we hearing from Christians in Afghanistan since the Taliban regained control? Yeah, so here's what's happening. Uh, uh, the, the the estimates are that there are between 5,000 to 8,000 Christians uh, pretty much scattered all around uh, Afghanistan. Those numbers are not uh, concrete because, as you can imagine, uh, being an Islamic country, there is no census. Nobody's going to uh, take count of exactly the number of Christians, and, and neither do uh, Christians know each other just because of uh, for security concerns. But what they have been doing is that, uh, Caitlin, the Christian men uh, are beginning to grow out uh, their beards. Uh, As you know, under the Taliban, uh, during the Taliban reign 20 years ago, they forced all the men uh, to grow beards. You see all the Taliban leaders, all the Taliban fighters, they have beards. It's part of uh, their strict Islamic interpretation of of the laws. Uh, The Christians uh, Christians that I've spoken to are, in essence, uh, cleaning their digital uh, footprint uh, on their laptops, on their tablets, tablets, on their phones. They're getting rid of uh, uh, Bible apps, Christian material, Christian songs, uh, any Christian music videos. Uh, in one case, in with a family in Herat, uh, they are getting rid of their guitars, of their drums, of any musical instruments. They are burning Christian uh, uh, literature, uh, various uh, uh, books, Christian books, and other religious material that could get them into trouble. Uh, one source uh, who has uh, five sisters 
uh, between the ages of uh, 16 and 21, all of the girls are unmarried. Uh, they are staying at home. Uh, in fact, they are right now finding, trying to figure out how to head to the mountains, uh, right outside of Herat, uh, to the mountains of Afghanistan to find refuge. Uh, they don't have passports. They cannot get out of the country. They cannot leave uh, via Kabul International Airport. They cannot head to the borders because the borders are shut. Uh, so just keep uh, keep that in mind in terms of that the Christians are just a microcosm. They are they are, they are a speck in the overall Afghan population. Uh, so just broaden that out to think, imagine what all the other Afghans, the Muslims and other minority faith groups, other minority ethnic groups are dealing with. I saw a report today from the BBC of a Hazara girl who basically said they are one of the ethnic groups, um, uh, marginalized ethnic groups in, in Afghanistan. And uh, this one particular girl uh, said that they have discussed it amongst their friends as well as amongst their families, that if the Taliban come to their home and are looking for them, in fact, the Taliban in some uh, cities have ordered families to mark an X on the uh, on the family home, meaning that the, uh, the the that 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 particular home has girls that can be potentially given to Afghan to uh, rather to Taliban fighters as wives, and any family that uh, does that uh, any home that does not have an ex, and they come to find out that there are girls who can be given to uh, the Taliban fighters, they are being killed, uh, and uh, it's just an awful awful situation. Just Horrific, and so in this particular situation, where this girl from Hara, from the Hazara group, uh, they made a pact that if the Taliban soldiers, uh, fighters, were to come to their home, uh, the parents, the father, uh, the father of the home, has given guns to the girls and said, uh, "We would rather you kill yourself than be handed over to the Taliban." Uh, the, the plight of not just Christians but other ethnic groups is horrific and we are already beginning to see reports of how the Taliban are going door to door hunting down those who have uh, worked with the United States for the last 20 years, worked with coalition forces, worked with uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, aid groups, worked in the schools that were part of teaching, these, uh, uh, teaching ed education to girls they are being tracked, and and sadly, uh, the United States, as well as our coalition forces, you know, we have uh, developed a biometric database of everyone that has worked with the United States. And sadly, the reports are that the Taliban now has access to all of that bi biometric data, and are using it to go door to door uh, uh, in not just Kabul, Mazari Sharif, Kandahar, Herat. And you can just imagine in the other provinces uh, where uh, Western media, there are no journalists. Uh, you can just uh, imagine the nightmare and the events that are unfolding in those parts of the country. Now, you mentioned that Christian families are looking for ways to kind of flee into the mountains. And I mean, winter is coming. Can you yeah. can you describe what? that would even look like for them? Because it's not just, oh, they're running to the mountains where their civilization set up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's again, it's uh, so just you've, uh, you, you can just imagine the dire, dire uh, 
uh, straits that that they are in. We just did an interview today with an Afghan. Uh, I did an interview with an Afghan believer who had to escape Afghanistan many many years ago. And he has his own television show. He is a Christian. He has his own television show that broadcasts uh, almost uh, daily into Afghanistan. And he got a call today from uh, a member of the Afghan uh, forces. He's a Muslim. And he said, uh, please, please tell the world to pray for us. Uh, you know, it, this affects everyone. Their worlds have been turned upside down. Uh, men, women, ethnic groups, ethnic minorities, they've been turned upside down. And so where can you run to? I mean, really, I mean, they, you can't, you can run to the mountains and you're right. Winter is coming where they're staying, you know, where, what opportunities, where can they find shelter? Uh, the borders are all controlled now for, by, by the Taliban soldiers. The United Nations has asked bordering countries like Tajikistan, Afghanistan, um, uh, Iran, uh, uh, China to open up their borders to allow for refugees to stream across. Uh, we'll wait and see if these various countries will do so. But they face a very, very difficult uh, challenge. And, you know, the reporting has shown just in the last 24 hours, the Wall Street Journal in an exclusive uh, get, they found that internal cables uh, between the State Department and the White House, uh, there were 20 plus uh, experts inside the country at the mission in Kabul who were sounding alarm bells. They were ringing the bells and saying just a few weeks ago, uh, the the, the potential of a complete takeover within days of the Taliban uh, is is a very, very real uh, possibility, and they needed to prepare. And yet this administration uh, did not take the necessary precautions. Now, keep in mind, this is something that has been in the works for a year, year and a half plus. It was back in February of 2020 that the previous administration signed a deal it was a terrible deal. Let's be real here. It was a terrible deal. The Doha Agreement, basically signed by the United States and the Taliban, uh, ironically missing from that agreement was the Afghan government. Uh, and it was an agreement that the United States made with the Taliban that we would pull our forces out of the country by September 11th, by September uh, 2021, you know, on the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Uh, so the Taliban was preparing why was it the United States? They were preparing for a number of years. I'll never forget, Caitlin, when I first went to Afghanistan shortly after the United States invaded uh, Afghanistan 20 years ago, I was walking on the streets of Kabul. And, you know, people are obviously, they were curious about our television cameras and all of our gear and all these people that were surrounding us while filming on the streets. And, you know, one particular Afghan was very curious about my watch and, uh, you know, other equipment as, as well. But he was, all, he was so curious. He he was fascinated with my watch. It was quite, you know, the dial was pretty big and so forth. And, and uh, he said eventually uh, after our conversation ended, right before our conversation ended, he said, uh, don't ever forget that you might have the watch, but the Taliban really has the time. And that was 20 years ago. And the idea was that the Taliban would be patient, that they would come back. And 20 years later, on the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, uh, we see the chaotic, horrific scenes being playing out, uh, being played out on our television screens. And it's just it's it's uh, just unfathomable that we are here today 
and the repercussions of this uh, beyond just Afghanistan. Uh, the Taliban, the, the Al-Qaeda groups, the jihadist groups from, from the desert sands of Morocco all the way to Asia, to Africa, to South America, those that have wanted to see the downfall of the United States, those that have uh, hated uh, American presence in the Middle East and in other countries of Africa uh, uh, and, and Asia are rejoicing, are just thrilled that this ragtag group of a 7th century medieval group that believes in medieval uh, archaic Islamic jurisprudence could, uh, in essence, kick the United States in the teeth in a matter of 11 days and uh, overrun a country after spending uh, two, three trillion dollars uh, and all of our machinery and hardware and intelligence that they could just sweep through the country uh, in such a stunning fashion. Uh, this is a boon for jihadist groups. And uh, mark my word, uh, this is going to re-energize not just Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda has always been in Afghanistan, but it's going to uh, re-energize jihadist groups because for the first time in the last 20 years, for the first time, they now have a country that they can go to and train and prepare and plan uh, diabolical uh, schemes against the United States and Western targets uh, around, around the world. Now, you mentioned just kind of their ancient beliefs. Mm. The Taliban has really been on a charm offensive, and they're trying yeah. to convince everyone that they've changed. And yeah. one area that they focused on specifically is women's rights. What are they saying? And I guess, how does it line up with mm. what we're actually seeing? And also, what does it actually mean for women, even if we just read between the lines of what they're saying? Yeah, the Taliban, Taliban 1.0 of 20 years ago uh, is different from the Taliban 2.0 uh, 20 years later today in that they now have access to social media. And as you said, they have been on a charm offensive. Uh, I, I mean, the head of the Taliban, the head spokesman, spokesperson, uh, the various lieutenants uh, of the Taliban regime, they all have Twitter. And they are, you, as you said, they are, they are on a charm offensive. They're trying to um, uh, convince uh, not just the outside world, but their own countrymen uh, that uh, they are going to uh, uh, rule in a different way, uh, that, uh, that women will have rights, dot, 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 under Islamic Sharia law. Let's be very clear. Uh, they've couched all of their comments uh, uh, under the auspices of Islamic Sharia law. And uh, all indications are that uh, the Islamic Sharia law they practiced 20 years ago will not be any different from the Islamic Sharia law that they will practice once the United States and our coalition partners uh, have, have left. Uh, and, and that is when the brutal... A crackdown will begin. We are already seeing it. Uh, we see it across the, the in 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 the various uh, pockets of of, uh, of Kabul, where there were uh, salons that uh, that catered to women, and the outside of the salon had uh, beautiful pictures of Afghan women. Uh, they were not veiled. They were not in the burqa 
from head to toe. Uh, they, you could see their beautiful faces. You could see their makeup. Well, guess what? Uh, those pictures are gone. They've been spray painted over. They've been painted over. Uh, the, the, the shops have closed. The salon, the salon shops have closed. Uh, in the banks that, were, that, that had w women as tellers, their home, uh, the shops uh, run by women, they've closed. Uh, in fact, uh, there aren't a lot of women today on the streets of Afghanistan because they know they face a perilous future uh, because they know that the Taliban of uh, 2021 is no different from the Taliban of 2001. And we need to be very, very clear about that. Uh, as long as they continue to couch their statements that uh, human rights, religious freedom, women's rights will be, will be guaranteed, dot, 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 under Islamic Sharia law, uh, let's uh, let's be very clear and let's tell our audience that that means that women are going to suffer immensely. There's going to be no political opportunities for women. Uh, there will be no opportunities to, to protest uh, against the government, against the regime, against their practices. It's a horrible time. And uh, one Afghan woman who, who has been active and very involved in the, uh, uh, in the betterment of women's rights in Afghanistan over the last 20 years ago, she said, this event has set our nation back 100 years. And just imagine, you know, the average age, the median age in Afghanistan is 18. What does that mean? That means the majority, uh, half at least of the population, uh, was born uh, right after the uh, the takeover of uh, of Afghanistan by the United States, and all they've enjoyed is access to the outside world, is uh, is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, uh, access to satellite television. They have lived a fairly good life in the last twenty years, and now suddenly. Uh, it has been turned upside down, where the population, half the population is made up of women. So just imagine, half the population, and this is a population that has now been forced underground, and they are on the run. Just look at the scenes at uh, Hamid Karzai International Airport, where mothers, Caitlin, mothers, are, you have children, you, have, you, you know what it is. Mothers are literally handing their babies to uh, American soldiers across barbed wire, across those tall walls, to give their children to the Americans so they can have a better life. That should tell you, that should indicate what would, pro what would propel a mother to hand her child over to a total stranger, if not as an act of desperation, knowing that at least my child will have a better future in another part of the world than in Afghanistan. That should tell your viewers the utter desperation that today families across Afghanistan are, are enduring. I was hoping you'd talk a little bit longer so I could compose myself as I listen to my daughter playing in the background. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think the next most obvious question is how can we pray? Well, the, the, the folks that I have been talking to um, have, have said to me, George, uh, pray obviously for protection. Uh, pray for resources. You know, in many cases, these families are having to uproot from their neighborhoods. So just let me paint a picture for you real quickly. Uh, imagine if you're an Afghan Christian who has in, in all likelihood converted from Islam to Christianity, and you have been in the neighborhood of uh, Wazir Akbar Khan, 
Uh, it's a famous street in Kabul uh, that I've uh, traversed many a times. Uh, imagine if you lived there for the last 20 years and your heart has been to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with your neighbors, uh, with the shopkeeper, with the place you go and buy your meat and you do your groceries, right? Because they want to share their faith and their, and their hope in Jesus Christ with others. So they've spent the last 20 years engaging in what we would call friendship evangelism, right? Suddenly, the world turns upside down. The Taliban are in control. Do you think that your neighbors, who are in all likelihood Muslim, could potentially turn on you? When, when, they, when they come storming into the Muslim neighbor's home and they have the opportunity to save themselves, they will, could, it, could it be possible that that Muslim family will say, hey, listen, hey, by the way, my next-door neighbor, they are Christian. In order to save yourself, would you give up somebody else? Do you think this is uh, impossible? It is very possible. This is exactly what happened in Iraq when ISIS took over uh, the Christian towns, when they took over uh, various cities across the country. Muslim neighbors, after decades of friendships with their Christian Iraqi brothers and sisters, they turned on, they turned on them. Uh, the concern right now is that, uh, so pray for protection, uh, pray for wisdom for these families that have to uproot themselves, uh, and then pray for safe passage, uh, either outside of the, uh, either to the, the mountains or another city, or perhaps to the neighboring countries, or perhaps to uh, the United States. But then also finally pray for those who have decided, who cannot leave, or maybe have decided to stay and to be a light uh, and hope in the midst of what seems to be encroaching darkness, they say pray for boldness, pray for courage, and the wisdom to share at the right time, to stay underground, to stay uh, uh, in hiding, but at the right time be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, you know, I keep thinking over and over of Psalm 121, and it's only eight verses, so I'm just going to read it real quick, and you guys can just pray that with us, because I think this has been my prayer mm -hmm. for... Um, the Afghan Christians and just, you know, the Afghan people it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Mm. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, mm. the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from mm. all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Mm. Amen. Amen. And, you know, it's interesting, just a subcontext to that is that, you know, I can just imagine David, right, the psalmist, writing that powerful psalm as he traversed, as he walked from, from, from Jericho to Jerusalem. I've taken that trip. And back in those days, you walk the road from Jer Jericho to Jerusalem, and it is not an easy walk. And I can just imagine David walking up into the mountains that surround Jerusalem, and the, the, the road is hard. It's filled with rocks and boulders, and it's a very, very difficult and painful journey. But as he ascends to the holy city of Jerusalem, as he says, he sees these majestic mountains that surround the hills of Jerusalem. And he looks up and he says, where does my help come from? And the response is, my help comes from the, the maker of these mountains. And that's exactly what you have just uh, uh, prayed for on behalf of the Afghan Christians. That as they traverse this very, very difficult, dangerous 
uh, uh, time that they will cast their eyes, their eyes will be lifted up to the mountains around Jerusalem. Uh, the essence, the spiritual implication is that they will lift up their eyes to the maker of, uh, uh, of, of, of them and that, that their help and their strength and their hope uh, comes from Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what we pray for. Yes, God has been with his people in the mountains and he will be again. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, please continue to pray for the people mm-hmm. of Afghanistan. You can find our coverage as things continue to develop on our website, cbnnews.com. George, thank you so much for coming on to talk about such an important issue. You're welcome. Thank you. That's all for now. But if you're enjoying the CBN News Daily Rundown, be sure to check out the CBN News app. As certain voices are censored and free speech platforms are shut down, downloading it will ensure you keep receiving news from a Christian perspective. We'll be back next week with more of the top stories and behind-the-scenes insight into how we're covering them. episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Verizon 5G Home. Powered by 5G Ultra Wideband, is delivering incredible speeds for just $50 a month with a mobile plan of $30 per month or more and auto pay. It's a new kind of home internet with no annual contracts or messy wires. Setup is so simple, you can do it yourself in minutes. Plus, we can even help cover your cost to switch. Welcome 5G Home. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. Device requires mounting with brackets. Switcher off. Additional terms apply. I mean, many years ago, you could tap someone in the shoulder and there was no big deal, okay? Today, you do more than handshake somebody or look at them the wrong way and they consider it an assault or they consider it abuse. So I think our culture's changed a lot and I'm not so much in support of it, but it is what it is. Just like after 9-11, our world changed. And I think we as people and individuals, we have a responsibility to be accountable for our actions and i also see that when they say the frat thing i believe that it's like you know oh you know what you said to this person and it's like a team so it's not just that the that they're going and making insinuendo or, or comments to the ladies uh but i believe it's also like edging them on you could do it you could do it you could do it and and, and i feel that's what it's like and that's why i think they're calling it the frat boy culture because if it was just one person or a couple people and they were doing it, we could just snip it in the bud and we could handle it. But this has gotten way too out of hand, Marcus. Hello, everyone. It's that time for the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, where we answer questions about technology, explain the way they should work, and why they don't sometimes. And now here's your host, John C. Morley. 
Hurry to JCPenney and score three days of big savings for back to school. Shop hundreds of doorbusters all day Friday to Sunday while they last and stock up on active gear like 50% off select exertion tees, tanks, and capris for women. Plus, get fast savings on Fila athletic shoes for the family starting at $24.99. Or use your coupon and get an extra 30% off at checkout. Weekdays are back in style. JCPenney. Doorbusters valid 820 to 822X. Good from coupon. Coupon valid through 822. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Well, hey, everybody, it is John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur here, and you're tuned into the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. It is always great to be here on another Friday, uh, and this Friday um, is basically kind of the end of the month. We only have one more after the 20th. We just have today and next week, and we're in September, Marcus. We're moving right into the fall, so fall weather coming our way. We definitely are welcome, Marcus. It's always great to be with you, my trusted co-host, with some great commentary and uh, great information for our viewers. It's good to be here, John. So let's get right into things. So one thing that's been happening, and we've been talking a lot about this, is people's rights, right? Well, uh, Activision Blizzard uh, employees signed a petition denouncing the company's, and I quote, abhorrent response to a lawsuit. So this pressure comes on uh, actors in Blizzard as they're mounting as more than 2,000 current and foreign employees sign a petition to slam what they see as the video game companies, what they call abhorrent and insulting response to the California lawsuit. So Activision Blizzard, uh, the publisher you may or may not know of a hugely popular game known as Call of Duty. I'm sure you guys all know Call of Duty or you have friends or family members that have played or are currently playing that incessantly. And also, I'm sure you know WWC, World of Warcraft, right? right? And they're headquartered in Santa Monica, California. They have approximately 9,500. Let me say that again. 9,500 employees. That's according to the state's filing as of just a few days ago. So a spokesperson from the company blasted the state's filing investigation, saying it's inaccurate. And distorted in a statement to CNN, as I quote, following the lawsuit, the company did not immediately respond to the request uh, that was made this past Monday. So the company's statements in response to the lawsuit, and I quote, are abhorrent and insulting to all that we believe our company should stand for. The petition said, and I quote, to put it clearly and unequivocally, our values as employees are not accurately reflected in the words and actions of our leadership. The petition also cited internal statements by uh, Francis Townsend, a former George W. Bush administration uh, counterterrorism official, and Activision Blizzard's executive vice president of corporate affairs. Wow. So, uh, but getting into what it really is about, this petition calls for official statements that recognize the seriousness of these allegations and demonstrate compassion for victims of harassment and assault. And for Townsend to resign her position as an executive sponsor of the company's employee women's network, I think that says something or is sending a message, Marcus. What do you think? That's sending a big message. And you're doing this in a state that is known as the most woke state out of all the states in the United States. You know, uh, California is very known for its wokeism. And um, you're barking off the wrong branch here. 
Now, in case you're wondering what tree Marcus and I are climbing, uh, we're talking specifically about employees that have known detailed experiences. They're documented at Activision Blizzard on social media since the last week's lawsuit. And they accused the company of fostering, quote unquote, frat boy work culture. Now, what does that really mean? Well, it's where female employees have to continually fend off unwanted sexual comments and advances by their male co-workers. So it's a frat house 24-7. Yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're complaining about what's going on. And, I mean, first they're stating that, you know, the women are bringing it on themselves. I don't think they are. I mean, I think the question has to come into play, are they dressing provocatively? It doesn't seem like they are. And, you know, it sounds like the company is just not really responding to these requests. And they're trying to blow it off and say that, you know, we're blowing it out of proportion, Marcus. Yeah, and it's all a, you know, misdirection, you know, into, you know, taking the time out to invest resources to actually investigate it and take some responsibility to, you know, even the allegations coming out at all, you know, so why even, you know, push it aside and, and try to turn a blind eye? Then you're a woman of all, of all, uh, of all nerves to, you know, uh, sit up here and, you know, uh, turn a blind eye. Well, for that lady to, 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 uh, to pull her support, and obviously I know why she did it, the thing is this, when people act a certain way, I don't know if they don't understand. You know, I like to say that when somebody gets past the age of 18, okay, they should have some brains. And it's important for people of all genders to think with their heads at all times. And I think sometimes they don't do that, and it gets them into trouble. And when that happens, you know, they always want to blame the media. They always want to blame everybody. But really the person, Marcus, they should be blaming is themselves. I think this is whole an exercise of accountability and how they're just annoyed because the media is calling them out. And in one time, I don't agree with the media all the time. You know that. We don't always agree. I, have I have to say, though, this time I believe the media is right. And I believe that these incidents that happened – um, and they were documented. I think the company needs to go back and readapt the culture and also reprimand these people for what's gone on. And if they're not going to reprimand them, they at least, Marcus, need to write them up. Okay, don't fire them, but they need to write them up. And maybe they need to bring in somebody to do a sexual harassment training. I mean, many years ago, you could tap someone in the shoulder and there was no big deal, okay? Today, you do more than handshake somebody or look at them the wrong way and they consider it an assault or they consider it abuse. So I think our culture's changed a lot and I'm not so much in support of it, but it is what it is. Just like after 9-11, our world changed. And I think we as people and individuals, we have a responsibility to be accountable for our actions. And I also see that when they say the frat thing, I believe that it's like, you know, oh, you know what you said to this person. And it's like a teaming. So it's yeah. not just that the that they're going and making insinuendo or, or comments to the ladies. 
but I believe it's also like edging them on. Like, oh, come on, you could do it. You could do it. You could do it. And, and, and I feel that's what it's like. And that's why I think they're calling it the frat boy culture. Because if it was just one person or a couple people and they were doing it, we could just snip it in the bud and we could handle it. But this has gotten way too out of hand, Marcus. Yeah. And I even believe that this is into management. And that's why there's so much pushback. Management is basically doing these things and being the frat for some of these younger guys that are there. That's what I think is happening. You know, they want to be cool. They want to they want to act well. They want to they want to yeah, 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 we're going to get you that promotion. Don't worry. Yeah. What do you think about her? Yeah, they, they just they're trying to placate. And I think that happens so much um Marcus, we were having a talk about this on my on my LinkedIn just the other last night. And I was saying that in corporate culture people play games. They play games, and then when you call them out on the carpet, oh, we never said that. We would never do that. Well, you just, well, you're mis, you're, you're mistaken. Like, we would never do that. Oh. And then suddenly you're the bad guy. I think a message has to be sent from the top of the company. And I honestly think they got to hit them below the belt. They got to hit them with a large fine. And I think when that happens... Or at least say, look, this is where you're at. We have proof of this. We're about to hit you with a large fine unless in 90 days we have proof that you're taking uh, directions to remedy the situation. And we'll be monitoring you. And if we don't see it, we might just slap you with a, I don't know, a few million dollar fine, five, ten million dollar fine. And I think, to be honest with you, that if that doesn't do it, if they do this again, then I think it should be jail time. Because I don't want them to think that money can get them out of any mistake. Oh, no, not at all. You know, too many people think that. So uh, we're going to have to follow that and see what's happening. I'm sure we'll have some juicy nuggets about what's going on. But there's going to be a lot of pushback. But this is different than the Facebook. It's different than the Instagram. And I think it's different because management is involved. All the other times, it was just some interns, it was some workers, but it was isolated. So we'll just have to kind of see, you know, what's happening and, and what they're going to do and and what this is all going to mean. But I feel that we've got to take some serious action, Marcus, and, uh, you know, go after these people and send a message. Because if that lady's pulling out support and they're losing money, they're losing sponsorships, uh, you know what happens in the Olympics when somebody does something wrong? They suddenly pull out. Uh, there was a one lady, not to get too off on a tangent, and she was um, leaving and she was getting ready to have a baby. And uh, she wanted protection. I think it was Nike or one of those companies. I forget who. You probably remember. And um, she was good all these times. And she said, look, this is, I just don't want you to judge me for this year because I had a hard time with my kid and things going on, and she wrote the letter, and you know what they said? We can't protect you. But then, after she made the action, they protected her and other women athletes. It's just baloney. It is just baloney. Everything, unfortunately, is politics. It's not nice to say. No, it's not. But it's all politics, and it's all who you know, 
And this is why I'm not a big fan of large companies because I just feel like there's just a click. I feel like it's like grammar score high school over again. If you're not in with the right crowd, well, then you got to work till five. If you're with the in crowd, don't worry about it. You can work till two and just put down your left to five. It's no big deal. I'm not going to say anything. And that's what happens, Marcus. Yeah. yeah. It, it, be, right. it, it becomes the in crowd. And then suddenly if you're not gawking over the person or let's say supporting their insinuendos, oh, well, that's how you're going to be? Well, get out. You know, that, that's kind of the mentality. And that's where the frat mentality comes from. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, in other news, um, one of our carriers uh, did something that was not just a slap on the wrist. Uh, a major carrier, T-Mobile, actually confirmed uh, just a few days ago that it was struck by a data breach. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah T-Mobile actually confirmed this uh, this past Monday and was hit by a data breach. But, of course, they declined to say whether any personal information from customers was accessed or how widespread the damage would be. So they acknowledge the breach after hackers told the vice president that they were selling full customer information. Of course they're they're in trouble. I mean, why would they admit this? They're going to damage the company's reputation. Right. They claimed that it pertained to over 100 million people they were going to sell information on. Wow. The company says, and I quote, they're aware of the claims made in an underground forum and actively, quote, investigating their validity. Come off it. If you're hacked, let's stop playing the game. If it's a duck... Talks, acts, walks, and looks like a duck. It's probably a duck, Marcus. More than likely. I've never seen nothing that, you know, mocks a duck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a duck. So it's a hack. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, when they talked about the vulnerability used by hackers to gain entry into the T-Mobile system, Uh, And I quote, it was the highest degree of urgency to investigate the breach. So it was funny uh, that they said in the company that they had, let's say, closed the loop on the hackers. But this really wasn't true. And I quote, we have been working around the clock to investigate claims being made that T-Mobile data may have been illegally accessed. Get off of it. We know it was accessed. You have they just said they have all these records. Don't tell people it may. Don't lie to people. Yeah, they're definitely telling us that it's raining when it's not. That's like the lady from um what was it? Uh we talked about this about a few weeks ago or a month ago. It was a great adventure. Well, it didn't actually come off the track. The wheels from the back might have separated, but it did what it was supposed to. But it didn't come off the track. I mean, come off it. They're, they're, they're twisting the truth. And I quote, they also said, we have determined hmm, that unauthorized access to some T-Mobile data occurred. However, we've not determined that there is any personal customer data. Involved. 
Get lost. Get lost. It's like every time they open their mouth, they never say anything truthful. They might as well just keep it shut. Yeah, I used to have a grandmother that said yeah, that you're lying and telling the truth at the same time. <laughs> they always said, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, when is it, uh, when is a politician not telling the truth? Yeah, I heard that one before, too. When he opens his mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so T-Mobile is saying that, uh, you know, basically until they get their assessments completed, they're not going to confirm anything. They said that they're going to update their customers and their stakeholders once the investigation has been completed and they have true answers. I don't know, Marcus. I think this just seems like um, a jerk around and that they really don't have an intention to be honest until they're going to have to be. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. You know, the report says that their stock failed 3%. I think if it falls any further, you know, that's when they're going to make that decision there. We talked about this before, Marcus. You know, I always say companies cannot afford – the ones that say they can't afford to back up their data, they cannot afford to not back up their data. And, you know, it's not just about their data, but I don't know if you know this, and we'll talk about this on another show. Ransomware is up. I do a whole show on that. Ransomware's statistics and attacks are up. And the thing is most people that get attacked are part of these big companies. Now, even if they have a small company, if they have assets in a multi-billion dollar company, well, that company could get hacked. Because they're doing targeting, Mark. They're doing, um, you know, a, what I'm going to call spear phishing, where they're going directly for the big enchiladas. They don't want the guy making a million dollars. They want the entire portfolio that's, that has a $10 billion. It's it's interesting. And uh, more on the hacker uh, stories. The anonymous hacker stole $600 million in cryptocurrency. Right? Wow. Now, here's the oxymoron, though. Um, and then he gave it back. Oh, man. Uh, you know, is that just to, like, kind of just... Demonstrate what they what they're capable of doing. <laughs> I don't know if it was more of a threat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, a quote that was recently put on uh, Twitter: "Mr. White Hat, a term that refers to an ethical hacker who raises awareness of security flaws, has returned all the stolen funds safe." For a small percentage that had been frozen by the cryptocurrency issuer following tether following the attack. Now, if you're doing something and you're a white hacker, because I've done white hacking before legally, uh, you have to let certain people know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to maybe let the media know or somebody let you know that you know you're doing this. You don't tell them what company, say, hey, we're checking a certain company out. Um I don't really know if this person's doing what he says in honest intention. 
I think he didn't plan on giving the money back. I think he might have talked to his lawyers and realized that this could be a real problem for him. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, this is pretty widespread, and um, this is supposed to be a decentralized finance platform. And anytime you involve yourself in something this huge and you penetrate it, you know, there's going to be some big boys coming to knock at your door. Exactly. And I quote, he says, I am not interested in money. He's full of bull. Yeah. Right? The co-founder of the forensics firm uh, Epileptic Poly Network had offered a $500,000 bounty to the attacker. Although it appears the hacker acknowledged receiving a bounty offer, it was never accepted, according to the notes. I also don't believe that nonsense either. Yeah, very, very much well possible that he did it. go ahead and just back that to I think he did that to put the fear in them. I really do. But I also think he was out for the money. I think he realized that if he went through with this, Marcus, it could have been a real bad, not just day, but a very bad year for him. Yeah, he was going to be running for the rest of his life. uh, He'd have to go to another... Well, the thing about, you know, people don't realize about cryptocurrency is it's not really controlled yet. And there's so many places overseas and Canada. But all in all, people are going to have to be taxed on cryptocurrency. So there's a lot of outfits that are trying to create this anonymous cryptocurrency. But I have news for you. Someone's wrong with that cryptocurrency, you just lost your money. There's no FDIC insurance on it. Yeah. Um, had that been, been uh, you know, taken for real, you know, uh, yeah, like you said, none of that would have been returned back, you know, so uh, there was no way that that was going to be insured. And I feel that he did this to catch certain people's eyes. I also believe the job offer, they didn't tell us this, but I think it was made. I just feel that his story about doing things for security is all bull. I think he wanted to come off as a good guy, all right? But then what I think happened is he had the intention to keep the money. And then somebody hired him. And the money was returned. But they don't tell us that part of the story, Marcus. We have to kind of interpolate that. Right. In other news, speaking about technology, a lot of the big boys in the tech companies are really starting to love the hybrid work environment. You know? Some people are selling buildings and having people work from home and giving them a whole hundred dollars. Well, don't spend it in one place, right? (laughs) So they can outfit their place a little bit nicer or some companies i know have given as much as 500 dollars to outfit themselves uh with a comfortable uh work pad what are you gonna do for 500 dollars? not much <laughs> but it's more complicated than that marcus because the small businesses are not really able to embrace this new way of life not because they don't want to 
but because they don't have the money or the resources to handle this. Doing uh, remote working is big money. And there's so much that had to be set up and created so that people can build a new office culture without an office. There are lots of companies out there, Marcus, forming. There's one company, I think they're in uh, China, and they're renting buildings, Marcus, for more money, virtual buildings, for more money than the physical buildings cost. Wow. And they're putting your, so you have an architect, you have a virtual architect. So just like you would do something in a real building, you have a real have an architect for your virtual building. This is nuts. <laughs> this is yeah, it's really crazy. What a, what a different world we have. And now when you get mail delivery, well, you can get mail delivery to your virtual office. Mm-hmm. You can mail to that physical address, which basically goes through the mail, but it's really just going to one building. But they have it all routed. And then when the mail comes in, they scan it. And you have the mail in your mail room. In your virtual office. Yeah. As someone said, and I quote, it has to be more intentional. Especially when the teams are distributed. Those are things that most people are worried about and actively working on. Having teams or having Skype or Slack is great. But if you don't have the culture and the rules and checks and balances set up, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And I quote Mr. Um, Zuckerberg, it's not just companies and their founders. Some startup investors are also rethinking their long-held views on the right way to build new products. That's interesting. That is. So that means that a lot of companies that start up don't have to have a building? Yeah, that's uh that's what is that's what it's turning into. And you know, we know Mark Zuckerberg himself now, you know, works uh you know more than half of the year now. There's his plans now to work more half half a year remotely. So I so I think there's gonna be a lot of startups taking on adopting that you know, that same mentality as But are people really going to get back to work, Marcus? Because I don't know about you and your area, but unemployment runs out for a lot in September. Yeah. Now, are they going to be stupid and reinstate unemployment, or are they going to tell people to get back to work? You know, that's that's the million dollar question. I think we're gonna have we're gonna have to wait until whatever it is September fifth or September sixth, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you know, I I know some places that have school elections. They want to delay them till April, Marcus. Wow, claiming that they have too much on their plate. I think people are just making excuses, Marcus. They're intentionally procrastinating. We all know that schools and didn't really teach much and kids didn't learn anything this whole year coming into school is going to be called catch up i was talking to one um uh owner of um of what he called an after school uh tutoring service as like a place where they come and she agreed that they're not going to learn anything this year they're just going to catch up 
it's going to be an interesting it's been an interesting year and then with the the covid vaccines uh number three coming out they're saying they keep changing it they say if you have the moderna it was six i had the pfizer it's 12 from the second now they're changing and saying eight months and they have something for the johnson johnson but they're also saying that they're not giving the shots out to the people that are healthy you know what they're starting with the people that have cancer because they're the most vulnerable in fact a couple people just the other day got their first covid three their third covid shot but they're also stating, Marcus, that this COVID vaccine thing is going to become a yearly addendum. Yeah. And the country's just going to keep paying for this, which I think is insane. Yeah, it is. But they really don't have an answer. And speaking about things getting pushed around, Mark is actually pushing his offices uh, to not open until January of 2022. Yeah, and you know, it's he's not being drove by by um what's what's since um you know he's more drove on like you know what's been like the theme of like since this pandemic. It's just to you know, he, he thinks it's the right right move to keep everybody safe. Uh, I quote something he said, data not dates is what drives our approach for returning to the office. I don't really know about that. Yeah. You know, they're showing that COVID is rising in some areas based on the Delta variant. And teams in the U.S. are, will, they're saying, will not be required to go back to the office until January 2022. What happens in January 2022? Do we say we're going to wait till February or March? Yeah, I, I don't think that, like, there's going to be something special that happens, you know, that, you know, can tip these numbers backwards, you know, like it, exactly, Marcus. And the interesting thing about this is that Facebook's decision comes just days after Amazon announced it would not bring its corporate workers back to the office until January third, twenty twenty two. What's going on here? I don't think it has anything to do with dates or, or data, Marcus. I think it just has a, as a thing to be. Let's follow the Joneses. Yeah, that's what it really appears to be, and we, we know the, the the those at the top, you know, are a, a part of a little club, and you know, and it's, it's usually monkey see, monkey do. Right. Well, speaking about the monkeys, uh, we have another one that's going to be trying to be even better. They're not going to open till February. Lyft has delayed its reopening until February second, and with them, Google, and Uber, and Microsoft have adopted a different approach to let's just wait and see and we'll delay until we see it's best. So I'm just wondering, John, you know, what, what type of customer service are we going to be really getting from out of these companies? You know, um, see, this is a big problem. I know I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but I know one of our clients that has a very large uh, VIP office rental space in the United States. They recently outsourced one of their services. They were in Bangladesh. Now they sent them out to uh, India. I went to one the other day, and uh, we had to do an installation. And these people, you can't talk to them. You have to talk to a manager. They ask for your Skype information. 
they ping it to them. They then ping you and then you chat via video chat. I'm sorry. I think we're going backwards here. I am all for equal opportunity employment, and I'm all for letting people from different countries work. I don't have a, a total against about that, although we should be allowing people in the United States that can't afford to put food on the table to get a job first and get a decent pay. I have a problem with the fact that you get these people overseas, and they suddenly want to gouge you because they know that's what the U.S. rate is paying. See, that's wrong. Yeah. That's not what they're getting paid. They're gouging people. And then I have another problem. It's called accountability. And you've probably seen this before. Mm-hmm. They fall off the earth and then they give you excuses and they don't do anything. <laughs> we don't have that kind of a culture in the United States. Yeah. And I talk to these people. I say, you know, if you acted like this, United States, you'd be fired or deported. We just don't tolerate that type of mentality or mindset, right? Right. And it's it's a shame that you know it's not uh, widely spread you know, to, to for that to be known, and uh, people rather sit on their hands and you know allow you know some of the foolery to happen. Their- exactly, Marcus. And you know the thing I I, I have a problem with. And that is that people are looking for others to be sorry for themselves. Get off it. Like, do what you have to do. Don't look for people to be sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. That's the biggest challenge, I think, with COVID. I know there have been challenges. Uh, I had somebody the other day I know that had gotten it. And I said, well, you can't come back to work. And he says, well, why not? He says, I didn't catch it. I wasn't around anybody. They weren't home yet, but they did get it. I said, that's too risky. That's too risky. Well, I can get tested and come in. No. <laughs> no. And they're like, oh, okay, so how do I work? I'm like, I guess virtually. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just feel people's heads are in the gutters. Right. And they don't realize, Marcus, that what they're doing is affecting everyone else in the population. I'm going to go back to what I always say, W-I-I-F-M and W-I-I-F-Y. They're all into W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me instead of what's in it for you? They're selfish. Yeah. Right? How many people do you know in the world besides your family and your friends who do something great? And they're not cheering you on. I had a lady the other day. I'm not going to mention her name. I posted something. And uh, it happened to be a company that run, ran this board on LinkedIn. And they, uh, they run a local social media company here. I got a message from them privately saying, can you cool it? What? You got to stop monopolizing the board. I said, I post once a day. I post valuable content to help people improve their lives. Yeah, just don't monopolize the board so much. And what I've come to the conclusion is it's not about monopolizing the board. 
It's about the fact that you're making them look bad. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds very, you know, very explicit. Yeah, and, and I said to you this once before, and I'll say it again. There are three stages to success. Step one, nobody knows you, nobody cares about you, nobody really gives a darn. Step two, people start hating you. People start criticizing you. People start trying to block you. I had a lady in my own town that uh, uh, was on a board, and the administrator said to me, she says, um, I don't have your tax records. So, what does that mean? Well, we haven't validated your ownership in our town. And, you know, you're here more as a guest right now because we never really got your proof that you live here. Wow. And I just opened my mouth and I'm like, you, I won't say anything bad, but you have some nerve I'm saying to myself. I'm a first responder. I do all stuff. And I said, can I ask why you'd even ask something so stupid? She's like, well, we, we got a, we got a question from a member. One of your 1900 people that's stuck up something stuck far. And, and, I, and I have a problem with that. And I've been seeing more of it and more of it, Marcus, where these people are trying to rain on other people's parades. And the message I tell people is that if you're not harming somebody and you're providing value to the world and somebody tells you to stop, don't. I had the same thing happen to Rutgers. I, I have over five or 10,000 people on their board. One of their students get back and says, you're posting an awful lot. <laughs> Once a day with things that can grow your life, come off it. Yeah. So <laughs> that I've been noticing that a lot around COVID time. Terrible excuses uh, for why they can remain complacent and, uh, and then just expect you to slow down, you know, so that they can just continue to be complacent. That's exactly my point. And I had a question the other night. And the question was, I think it was uh, a few nights ago, and it was, uh, why is it other people are not happy and celebrate your joys, victories, and triumphs? And I know the reason. It's because they're jealous. They're envious. Because they don't like the fact that you're getting ahead because they don't like the fact that you're getting exposure. That's what it comes down to. But it's sad. The level of connection you feel in your home dramatically influences your experiences there. Get the tools to control that connection in your communities with the first multifamily platform that unifies management and resident experiences to create smart apartments. Talk to a RealPage consultant today to see how your properties can meet the future of multifamily with the Smart Building Suite. Hurry to JCPenney and score three days of big savings for back to school. Shop hundreds of doorbusters all day, Friday to Sunday, while they last, and stock up on active gear, like 50% off select exertion tees, tanks, and capris for women. Plus, get fast savings on Fila athletic shoes for the family, starting at $24.99. Or use your coupon and get an extra 30% off at checkout. Weekdays are back in style. JCPenney. Doorbusters valid 820 to 822 and excluded from coupon. Coupon valid through 822. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. That we have people like that 
that do that. Did I lose you, Marcus? Oh, there you are. Okay. Uh, so another point, uh, speaking on other things that are in the news. We heard, learned a little about Facebook, but we haven't talked a lot about our friend, Mr. Good Jeff Bezos. Well, he's doing something a little bit interesting. Get this, Marcus. <laughs> he's suing NASA. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's a little bit different. That's very different. You know, um, we haven't heard about any lawsuits from NASA. Uh, so he filed a sealed complaint, which means they can't disclose what it's totally about. It challenges NASA's unlawful and improper evaluation of proposals in selecting Elon Musk's SpaceX to build the spacecraft that will land the next American on the moon, according to a federal court filing. This is just bull. Yeah, it sounds like billionaire problems to me. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's like, you know, it's like fighting over, you know, uh, the toy, you know. <laughs> It's absolutely crazy. Companies with billions of dollars never cease to amaze lots of people with the tactics and all their childhood games or or, uh, blow-the-belt business practices to force NASA to do business with Blue Ocean after tactical complaints. Would anybody even want to work with Blue Ocean? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they would want to uh, work with Blue Origin uh, after you know after this you know uh, after seeing something like this. You say, okay, well, if he's not going to get his way, he's just going to try to force his force our hand, um, enforce and bombard his way into getting what he wants. But then people will always know him as the guy that used his power and money to basically force a hand. I'm starting to have a lot of disrespect for this man. I, I never really had a lot. I never was in love with the guy, but I'm really starting to have a bad taste in my mouth for this Jeff guy. I mean, we've all been upset with Amazon and how they provide the highest level of customer service, which is a a real uh, untruth. But the way he's acting... And what he's doing just makes me not even want to have a respect or any regard for this man. I used to think he was up to something good, you know, and and people were knocking Elon. But I have to tell you something. Elon really doesn't get in any pissing contests with people. He kind of stays to himself for the most part. I mean, everybody has their moments, but he really tries to just do his thing. And he really doesn't try to go raining anybody's parade. He might build something, but he's not a guy, I think, that would actually try to sue NASA if he didn't get his space shuttle built. I just don't think he would do that. This guy, Jeff, I feel that I I wouldn't be a bit surprised if maybe the federal court bars him from even bidding anymore. Yeah, that's that's definitely a possibility. Seeing like that could be coming down a down a turnpike, you know, uh, if he doesn't be careful here, because you know, why would you do this? You know, it's just you know, if they say no, it's just no. You know, he's trying to force the hand and say, "Hey, I'm the bigger man," 
and I'm getting what I want because I have money. Well, so does Elon. Instead of it being a value proposition to help people, Marcus, it's becoming a power trip. You remember when you know when you were in grammar school or high school, uh, well, mostly in grammar school, and there were, you'd either be a team captain yourself, or sometimes you weren't lucky enough to be be picked as a team captain by the by your uh, gym um, uh, instructor. But a lot of times you did get picked, but not all the time were you like actually the one. And you sat there and you waited for people to pick you. And maybe you weren't as athletic as some of the other people. And you didn't get picked. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, okay, and you can just go on such and such team. Oh. <laughs> and, and it was like you got picked by default. I don't know if there's anything worse than that. Yeah, no one, no one really likes that. And uh, I think this is what happened in the case of Blue Origin. Um, when they when they first started building their project, because it's like you know, they won the first they won the first commercial to do it, you know, first commercial uh, space aircraft to do it. So winning by default, being chosen by default is not is not great, and and it also gets me to think of something on a relationship level. If you're dating somebody, and let's just say for example, now this other person comes along, and let's say that something goes sour in this relationship, well, that person wins by default. It, it's not great for that person to know that they were a rebound. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, I'll settle for you. <laughs> I mean, that just really, and some guys are stupid enough to say that, well, I'll settle for you since there's nobody else right now. What does that mean? You're going to dump the person once you find somebody better? I mean, like, Right. I mean, so I, I have a problem with that. And I think I think I think uh, Mr. Jeff needs to grow up. I think he needs to realize that what he's doing is not really what he's setting out to do. I think the reason he's doing this space thing is not because he wants to do something better for the country. I think it's about money. And I think it's about him getting in the limelight to be first. That's what it's about. Yeah, I definitely agree. And money's important, yeah. but I think it's about being first. And yeah. money's probably second. Yeah, so it's definitely an eagle trip. And uh, like you said, it's pretty disgusting. It is. And, and to see what's going to happen. We'll see what happens with the court. Um you know, and uh, the thing about this is that as we talk about this whole thing, it goes back and forth. It just shows you the type of character that's in this person, Jeff. I didn't really know him very well in the beginning, but the way he built Amazon. I mean, I know he built a billion dollar company, but I have to say, Marcus, it's got the lowest level of customer service in the industry. And, and not... Just that, just the way they, they treat their employees. You know, uh, they can definitely treat their employees a lot more better. They treat their employees very bad. And then, you know, when they make mistakes and you talk to somebody and you have the same problems going on. Like I told you what happened. I had a drone delivered to me and it got stolen. Oh. Well, what do we do? Well, we can't help because it was a third party ship. What does that mean to me? Well, we have to do an investigation. 
I had to file a complaint with Better Business Bureau, Consumer Affairs, and District Attorney General's office, send it to them, and they magic told me you didn't have to do that. We were already in the process of your refund. <laughs> get all get lost. Oh, they're, they're they're all about politics. I remember one time opening a fulfillment account with them, which I'd never do again. And I wasn't even using the account, and I was getting billed, and it took me almost six months to cancel it. Yeah, they're very notorious. You know, you you, were, you were remove a, a credit card, thinking the credit cards were moved up the account, and it magically pops up, you know. It's like, you know, how did you remember my credit card number? Well, that's what I say. And then when you call me, call the number, and it's like, well, we don't have an account for it. But, yeah, but here's my card number. Well, we need to know what email and what account. Well, I deleted that. Well, we can't help you. Yeah, but you're charging me. Well, we don't know which department. Well, who? Like, <laughs> yeah. so finally, I had to go to Federal Trade Commission, DOBRA, Department of Banking and Insurance Commission. And they got to the bottom. But, you know, Marcus, a lot of people, even though they're bright, they don't know the pathways to take. They don't know what to do. It's very interesting. And in, in and speaking about things that are sad, um, CBS, uh, you know, Central Broadcasting Station, mm-hmm. they sell an iconic Manhattan building. They plan, they put on the market, the iconic building, Black Rock, Manhattan headquarters of CBS. They plan to sell it to the Harbor Group International for $760 million. The sale is supposed to transpire by the end of this year. The move is to shed assets to free up the company's finances in order to focus more on things like streaming, according to many of the key spokespeople. And uh, this one gentleman here, uh, Mr. J. Bobbin, And I quote him, he says, I can't deny that seeing this hits me in the heart. I've made a lot of visits to that legendary building over the years. Admittedly, it's not going anywhere. Good luck to the crew that would tackle that job. But some of its storied history changes with this. So the building's not being taken down. And I have to admit, they might take the name CBS off the building. Yeah, I think that's going to definitely go with it. That, that, you know... um... I don't, you know, but it would definitely be quite cultured if they kept it on there. Um, but I don't see them keeping it on there. And I, I think it would preserve some of the heritage of it. Right. If they did. It would. It definitely would. But these real estate companies, they're really not out to make people feel good. No, they're not. They're the just out for the money. <laughs> yeah, they're not in the feel good business. <laughs> But uh, something like yeah. that, and I don't know if the Rainbow Room is next, because I think, isn't that in the same building? I'm not yes. sure if that's going to, yeah. So I wonder if that, that restaurant will close. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting question. you know. And, um, but people don't realize when you do something, and I know people do things for a profit. I, I get it. We all try to be profitable. I just feel that when you do something, you have to have an understanding. For example... If you're a realtor uh, and you're buying a building and you're buying, let's say, this this uh, nursing home, for example, 
and uh, you buy it because you want to knock it down and you want to build, you know, skyscraper condos. And when you knock the people out of that building that are paying the price there, where are all those people going to go? Hundreds of people. Now, you're going to get millions of dollars. But what about all those people that you knocked out of their homes? You're not going to relocate them. It's like, sorry. And what about all the people that work in that building? I just feel that when people make decisions, again, they're thinking with the wrong head. They're thinking with their head in the top, but they're thinking in a logical perspective. Now, I don't say logic is wrong in business because you have to think logically, but I believe, Marcus, sometimes you need to have a heart. Now, I know you can't do that every day. Uh, I know many years talking to creditors many years ago, and I'd always get them, and I was very good. I was like, so I understand. So I was like, so what challenges are you having in your life? Well, man, so you're you're fine. You're clear of any problems. Oh, your daughter. Oh, how's your daughter doing? Oh, oh, your daughter broke her leg. Oh, that's sorry to hear that. That must be a really tough thing on your family. And I know you're working here because you're getting the money. So I, I know you don't agree with the company's philosophies. And it must be hard trying to keep, you know, your daughter and your wife and everyone happy. Uh, when it's very hard and this was years and years ago right and and the guy was just like he was almost in tears on the phone and so i guess everything's about money isn't it i guess sometimes having that extra 50 dollars or that 100 dollars you know i mean i know you would give anything that you had to make your daughter walk again wouldn't you and sometimes I think we take that out on other people. And that's not a good thing to do. No, I'm not right. saying you're doing that, but I don't want you to have a vengeance for me. You don't know me. And I've had an excellent track record in the past. And it's the first time I've ever asked your company for anything. Due to a catastrophe that happened in my life where no fault of my own, an accident. Where I had a skiing accident. No fault of my own. And uh, put him on hold. He came back to the phone. And he goes, Mr. Morley, he says, uh, you know, you, you touched me. I said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, no, no, it's okay. He says, uh, I, I don't get calls like this that often. He says, usually I just tell them that we can't go there. I said, well, then, then what made you allow me to go there with you? Well, you made it personal about my family. Normally, when somebody asks for something, they talk about their life and what's going on in my See, that's not important to you. That's not going to make your heart bleed. When I talk about your daughter, uh, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, that's going to make you really come to the table. And um, I said, what can we do? And he says, well, we can give you a six-month extension so I could pay that payment of nine or whatever it was. And so... I feel sometimes there are some companies, whether it be credit card, whether it be real, they're just very um, stark. And I'm not going to mention the name of a company, but there's one company where I'm, he threw everybody out of a building because they couldn't pay during COVID. Mm. And he went to sue every single one of them. 
and he threatened them so much that they just gave them all they had they paid it and he threw them out wow because the cost of the courts were going to be so much more that they scraped bottom just to be able to pay to the end of the year and he kicked them out and as long as they paid to the end of the year he wasn't going to sue them for anymore but that's terrible marcus when people don't have a heart you know and i know in business you can't always think with your heart you can't you have to think logically however when you're doing something that's going to affect a large amount of people i think you have to ask yourself Am I doing the right thing? Why am I doing this? Is it going to be... I, I have a phrase I think I've shared with you. And I, it's a mantra that I, I, I repeat and I've shared with people. And it's large sums of money come to me easily and quickly. In increasing quantities from multiple sources on a continuous basis. For the good of all that I get to keep. That last part is extremely important. For the good of all that I get to keep. That means you're not stealing. You're not doing something that's going to ruin someone else's life. You're getting money. And it's for the good of all. And you get to keep it. I think too many. Very powerful. Too many times people do things. Just because of the greed of money. And the Latin phrase, radis milorum escupiditas, um, which has gotten a lot of people to focus away from money. Now, money's not a bad thing, and money's not greed. It's how you choose to use your money. You can have millions of dollars, just like we can have a program, we can have a podcast. It's not the podcast technology that's good or bad. It's not the money that's good or bad. It's how you're choosing to use that money. You use that money to help your friends, your family. You help yourself. You treat yourself. You reward yourself. You have great things in life. That's fine. You're entitled to all that abundance. But if you have that money to burn somebody or to buy vengeance on someone, that's wrong. And that's where it's greed. And when you do that, and I'm not going to get into religion here, but that's when you put your possessions above um, religious things. I happen to be Roman Catholic, not to get into that, but you put, in my case, I put it above the Lord. And so when, if you believe in your creator, if you put it above your creator, that's when it comes back to bite you. People always say, well, you can't have anything. You have to have nothing. No, they're not saying you can't have nothing. They want you to be wealthy, but they want you to use your gifts and use them in a good manner that are going to help others, and that people are going to want to pay you. That's what it comes down to. And when a lot of people see this money and they see a way to get it, they don't think about the people they're going to knock over. Now, I'm not saying you can't be competitive in your life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you need to realize that whatever you do in life has to be good and good for all. And when you do that, money just seems to multiply. It's about having a mindset. And the last thing I'm going to leave on this because it's important is that abundance doesn't come from outside of you. Abundance comes from within. 
So be grateful for everything you have right now, whether it's a penny, whether it's a dollar, whether it's a pen, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's a glass of water. Be grateful for every little thing you have. And for when you're grateful for everything, more things will start showing up in your life. When you focus on what you have and you're grateful for it, you put that energy out into the world. When we focus on abundance, more abundance comes to us. And you might say, wait, John, how can I be abundant? I, I, I don't have a job, my this, my that, I'm in a divorce. I hear you, okay? And many people were in a situation just like you. And what you have to realize is that this is just today. You're here because of the thoughts you had yesterday and the days before. Start changing your mindset. So that from here, tomorrow when the days forward, you'll be able to look back and see that where you've become is because of the new thoughts you put into your brain. But you have to start from that whole point. And if you don't have money to be abundant about, well, be abundant about things in your universe. I tell people to take the letters of the alphabet and think of everything you can be abundant about. A, I'm not going to go through every letter, air. B, birds. C, cars. Just be thankful for things around. People are like, well, John, that's nuts. No, that's being abundant. The greatest thing I tell people to do is go to a field and see everything in that field that's abundant. Because realize you are abundant. Think abundantly and more abundance will show up in your life. I love that. I love that, John. Like, you know, that's, well, that's well said, well put. And uh, that, that really you know, helps uh, take people to the next level. I, I think so as well, and we're at the top of our hour, and it is always great to be with you, and we had a great show, and I want to encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, if you have an idea for a Jay Moore Tech Talk show, visit jmor.com, and um, if you have an idea for an unboxing, let us know what the product is. You'll have to donate to us and send it to us, and um, we'll be happy to take care of that for you. If you do decide to be a guest, it's not a selling show, it's educational. I also want to invite you to show some love to um, all of our channels, which you can find at jmore.com under social. And uh, what I say to people is our videos are free, okay? But if you feel like you just want to say thank you, my team and I are so grateful for every penny and every dollar we receive. We have a PayPal link below every video because we want to continue to give back to our great world. But we can only do this when we impact great people's lives like yourself. It has been another amazing evening, Marcus, to be with you. Same here, John. And we will be here next week. And remember, my friends, the abundance lies within you. For if you're trying to pull abundance from the outside world, you'll never find it. It'll just slip right through your fingers. You're already abundant, my friends. Start being grateful for that abundance and more of it will show up. Focus on lack and you'll get more lack in your life. And that's a promise. I am John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur, and you've been watching the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. And unfortunately, we have to say goodbye. I wish we could stay all night. Have yourself a great one. And remember to catch our uh, audio show tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll get to catch some great information. We'll see you next week, everyone. Have yourself a great rest of the night. Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work 
and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 88811. That's IT support to 88811, and you'll get tips on technology. I'll see you next week right here on the J Moore Tech Talk Show. Remember, jmor.com. Verizon 5G Home, powered by 5G Ultra Wideband, is delivering incredible speeds for just $50 a month with a mobile plan of $30 per month or more and auto pay. It's a new kind of home internet with no annual contracts or messy wires. Setup is so simple, you can do it yourself in minutes. Plus, we can even help cover your cost to switch. Welcome 5G Home. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. Device requires mounting with brackets. Switch or offer. Additional terms apply. Right here in Greater Atlanta. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Plastics can be so much more. Give this trash a second chance of what. Greater Atlanta's hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Good morning. Today is Friday. It is August 20th. Can you believe we're almost done with the summer already? I mean, this, this has absolutely flown by. It's been, uh, it's been what a summer it's been. I mean, you think back, I remember on June 30th um, was the day that Seattle opened up for the first time and COVID was done. And I was up in Seattle the week after and people were walking around without a mask. COVID was over. They'd been vaccinated. Everything was good. And now kind of COVID's back. And so that's where we're going to start off today. Um, nothing really too new on the COVID case front. And actually, there's some encouraging news on the antibody front. So we all know about the Regeneron antibodies. That's what President Trump had when he had COVID back last October. Um, but AstraZeneca is also working on an antibody cocktail and has now uh, seeking a- approval for this antibody drug from regular, has shown strong, excuse me, it has shown strong efficacy in preventing symptomatic COVID-19. So you could get COVID-19, have the antibodies, and it helps to really reduce the symptoms. Um, so it could really have some potential uses for the unvaccinated people. It has 77% efficacy in reducing risk of symptoms. Uh, and in a trial, two thirds of the um, uh, people at being trial and trial participants received the drug. The remaining third had the placebo. In the drug group, even though there were more people, none developed severe COVID symptoms. In the non-drug, in the placebo group, you had three severe cases and two deaths. So again, small sample size, but it looks like uh, we do have some 
potential uh, respite for people who have not had the vaccine uh, for any number of reasons. Um, but you do have this potential antibodies that can really help to alleviate some of those concerns. Now, the, the flip side of this is that the antibody drugs are going to be a lot more expensive than the vaccine. The vaccine will run $20, $30, $40 a dose, but the antibodies will be upwards of $1,000, $2,000. So uh, that's going to be a lot more expensive. Uh, also today, the UK approved the Regeneron uh, antibody cocktail. Um, and that's what, uh, again, President Trump had uh, not so long ago. Um, moving on, uh, Johnson & Johnson, which also has a drug, um, uh, they, uh, the CEO, Alex Gorski there, he's 61 years old. He's going to retire on January 3rd. This kind of follows a spate of retirements from a number of large company CEOs. Um, so he's going to be handing off to Joaquin Duoto, who was the former head of J&J's pharma business and is kind of the clear next in line. Um, it's probably going to be more the same under Duoto, uh, who, again, is 59 years old. Um, they are dealing with certain items like the opioid uh, crisis and the liability attached there too, and then also the talc liability. Moving on, want to talk a little bit about interest rates here because interest rates are falling. They're down to 1.22% on the 10-year right now. Um, and so for that, we're going to go to Tom uh, as we look toward the end of the month and then all the all-important September month with Jackson Hole and also the Fed meeting. Yeah, we're seeing a, a big push in interest rates this morning. We dropped back down to right around a 120 on the 10-year and we dipped back below 185 on the 30-year. Uh, this really goes... Uh, kind of twofold into the narrative this week, which is one, we're seeing a big rotation uh, out of stocks, uh, you know, for the open and really during the day, we're just seeing huge gyrations in the markets up, it's down. And I think that really indicates a, a big rebalancing. I think a lot of people are moving out of stocks or at least taking gains uh, on potential fears of uh, downside due to the taper or downside due to slowing economic uh, activity and rotating into bonds. And then additionally, uh, we're just continuing to see big overnight moves, which indicates that we're seeing a, just a number of people uh, overseas buying our treasuries, buying our bonds and really pushing rates down. So I think that the table is really set for taper. I don't think we'll get it as soon uh, as we thought we would. My, my real bogey, I think, is probably either October or November with a little bit of a leaning towards November. I think the Fed is going to really take the time here. Um, if they were moving a little bit quicker, I think we'd have more indication of that. Um, so I think we're, we're probably stuck in this range for a while. I don't see uh, anything, at least on the on the short-term horizon, that's going to push us up rates-wise. And so uh, we just need to be very cognizant of asset allocations and making sure that we're staying staying tight there and not getting too heavy into bonds. Should we see a taper and should we see some softness there? You know, we don't want to get stuck holding really long bonds that could potentially be hurt and uh, underwater for a long period of time. But at the same time, you know, making sure that we have that that balance. Should we see uh, continued pain on, on the equity side, seeing big down days and big up days in bonds. We want to make sure to have that offsetting a little bit and making sure that our portfolios are set. So uh, it's a little bit of a delicate dance right now on the bond side, but uh, you know we're grinding through it and we're seeing a lot of bonds get called on 10-1, uh, particularly stuff with higher coupons. We're seeing a lot of, of uh, refunding on the muni side, but we're seeing it with taxable munis replacing tax-free munis. And so that space continues to get tighter and tighter. 
Uh, so that's something we're definitely working on in terms of looking for opportunities that may potentially be outside of tax-free land in order to make sure we're getting the yield uh, necessary on our bonds. But uh, it's been it's been a tough week. It's been a busy week, but we're going to keep grinding through it and make sure we got everybody allocated correctly. Yeah, I think the the big theme on bonds right now is uh, a lot of people will come to us and say, "Who on earth is buying?" a 10-year bond, locking their money up for 10 years and making 1.2% on that money. It sounds crazy, but, um, and demand isn't super, super high, but supply is really falling off a lot because a lot of companies have cash. They don't need to issue more debt. So you're not getting supply from them. Uh, after last year, the U.S. Treasury is all cashed up. They don't need to issue a ton more debt, at least right now. Uh, we're not doing as many stimulus checks. And meanwhile, uh, Europe, are they going to buy German bonds at negative 30 basis points? No, they'll probably buy U.S. bonds. So uh, you have some incremental demand coming from them and then uh, just to uh, reduce supply. So uh, that's kind of why you see bond yields where they are. I think at some point you see a little bit of a rebalancing there, as Tom said, which is why we're not being super aggressive and why we're you know, very cognizant of what would happen if interest rates rise, um, but that's where we stand. Moving on uh, to China, uh, it seems like every day we have a headline on what's going on in China, and um, especially as it relates to technology companies, and we have another one today. Uh, China passed very strict privacy laws uh, that will curb data collection by technology companies. It's very similar to what they have in Europe, actually. You must obtain consent and must minimize data collection as the company. But unlike Europe, quote, Beijing is expected to maintain broad access to data. So the companies might not have access to data, but the government's going to have access to data. So that these new rules will take effect on October 1st. They also, what we're seeing is a common theme is they, the Chinese government is very intent on making sure that uh, these CEOs and these large tech companies are not getting too big for their britches. Um, in April, Tencent, one of the largest uh, Chinese companies, uh, gaming companies, they committed $7.7 billion toward curtailing social ills in China and lifting China's countryside out of poverty. In June, the co-founder of a food delivery company there donated $2.3 billion to fund education and science. And then uh, yesterday, excuse me, on Wednesday, Tencent said that it would donate another $7.7 billion to promote projects related to, quote, common prosperity. Um, the company said the new strategy of Tencent is also a positive response to the national strategy. So they're donating $7.7 billion, another $7.7 billion. They posted a quarterly net profit of just $6.6 billion. So their entire, more than all of their quarterly profit just went to uh, these projects related to common prosperity, which is why we're not investing in Chinese companies right now. Um, Tesla Artificial Intelligence Day happened last night, and uh, Tom and I were talking about it before the this, earlier this morning. The big news is that Tesla wants to be more than an electronic car company. They want to be more than a solar panel company. Um, they unveiled a new computer chip um, that they expect to reach production next year. I'm kind of on the fence about that, but uh, def they're definitely pretty positive about that. Um, but the big thing that's taken all the headlines that I'm sure you're going to see in the news if you haven't already is the Tesla bot. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts on the Tesla bot? Do you think this has legs? I mean, it has legs, allegedly. 
I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's basically uh, for our older clients and probably including myself here, you're looking at uh, something that we've seen on movies and, and cartoons for a long time, Rosie the Robot and uh, the Jetsons uh, or the weird robot in Rocky three or four uh, that has never come to fruition, but the, the assistant robot, uh, I mean, credit Elon Musk. He's a, he's a, uh, he definitely pushes the limits of what could be reality. I mean, the Tesla has really led the charge and kind of changed the whole landscape of the car company industry, uh, towards the move of electric cars. I think the solar roofs, if you can actually get that somewhat functional is an interesting, uh, you know, future prospect for decentralized power. Uh, the in-home personal robot that cleans your toilets, though, is, is a little bit of a stretch, in my opinion. I'm not sure what, who the market is for that and how expensive they're going to be, but I imagine uh, they're not going to filter down to uh, my income level anytime soon, so it doesn't move the needle so much for me. Uh, but, you know, if you can pay somebody $40,000 a year to be your personal assistant and go get your dry cleaning, I think it would be a little more effective than paying $40,000 for a weird computer to walk around your house and, and spy on you. Uh, so that's my opinion on it, but it's definitely, you know, credit to him. He comes up with weird ideas and he executes them. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, I won't be buying one anytime soon. I don't think. It's in humanoid form. It is five feet, eight inches, 125 pounds, can deadlift uh, 150 pounds, um, walks at five miles an hour and looks like a human, can dance like a human. I mean, again, this is all theoretical right now. But instead of a head, it has a screen. It has a computer screen, which displays messages. So that's what it's going to be, or that's what he's, uh, he's demonstrating it to be. Uh, we're still waiting on the Tesla semi-truck. Uh, John Deere reported earnings this morning uh, that were pretty, pretty good earnings results. Uh, really, the only thing we really need to know here is that uh, demand's coming in about as expected. Pricing uh, is coming in faster than expected. On their ag and turf segment, uh, you're looking at price increases of 8% uh, for the year. That's up from an originally guided 3 to 4%. And then in the construction and forestry business, you're looking at pricing up 5% versus earlier expectations of up 3%. There wasn't any change to demand in those businesses. So it's just kind of more of a pricing story there. So margins are looking a little bit better. And uh, they're continuing to invest uh, in a lot of operational improvements and making acquisitions that highlight that. So with that, uh, we will let you get to it. Uh, have a great Friday and have a really great and safe end of summer weekend. Thank you. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.